Welcome. I am Aaron Giesbrecht, head QB trainer and owner of Big Air Academy, located in Winnipeg, Manitoba, Canada. And you are tuned in to my podcast called Talking QBs with Coach Gies, a podcast dedicated to the Canadian quarterback and offensive football. And today on my 20th episode, I have former CJFL and U Sport quarterback Jeremy Joseph, but today is also known as Sweet Daddy. So, woo! I'm excited to talk, uh, talk, yeah, talk football, wrestling. Uh, those are two things, you know, growing up that I was able to kind of do with my dad. That uh, you know, I always we always enjoyed watching. Yeah, that looks like Hulk Hogan. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> I was just thinking yeah. about that. Hulk Hogan was definitely yeah. uh, was definitely my uh, my number one guy. But you know who number two growing up was? It was the Macho Man, yeah. That was my favorite. That was my favorite. So uh, let's 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 jump right into it, cuz let's uh, let's start here. I got a little quarterback numbers game for you, jersey numbers game. So as we go here, I'll get you, right. I'll get you to start here. Um, as as we go through the numbers, it's it's whoever you whoever pops into your mind. It could be C, CFL, NFL, sure. college, whoever. Uh, whoever pops in your mind. So start with jersey number one. Oh, man. First person that comes to mind, jersey number one, the one and only Warren Moon, baby. I like Come it. on. That, that's, a, that's a great call. Classic CFL, right? Warren Moon, what he did in the CFL, and obviously had a great NFL career, too. Okay, okay. Number two. Absolutely. Number two. I'm going to go with uh, I'm gonna go with Doug Flutie in, at the Toronto Argonauts, number two, in the late 90s. Who do you got for number three? Number three, uh, I think I'm going to have to go with Joe Montana in his Notre Dame college, yes. uh, back in college. Uh, that would be that'd be what I think of when I think of number three for quarterback. Okay, I like it. I dig it. Okay, number four, and I'm only gonna I'm only gonna use this guy because I just saw him yesterday walking walking the streets of Charleswood. Him and his wife, and I ran into him. Is uh, number four Buck Pierce. No way! That's yeah, awesome. yeah, yeah. Good times. <laughs> Funny thing about the Montana uh, number selection for me, I actually used to have Joe's uh, home Notre Dame jersey. I used okay. to wear that around in high school, so that's kind of why I think of that too. But uh, so I guess I got number five. Yeah, number five. Um, and one of my personal favorites ever, Donovan McNabb for the Philadelphia Eagles, number five. Absolutely. He wore that both at Syracuse and in the NFL, right? That's right. That's right. Okay. Number six. Hmm. Okay, this is a weird one, man. I don't know if you know who, who this is. Bubby Brister. He used to play for the Pittsburgh Absolutely. Steelers. Yeah. <laughs> Bubby. Absolutely. Bubby Brister. Yeah, man. He was trying uh, to stir up controversy with John Elway. Yeah. Job, eh? Right, right, right. Yeah. Okay. Okay. How about yeah. number, who do you got for number seven? Oh man, easy. Michael Vick. Oh yeah. Atlanta okay. Falcons, Philadelphia Eagles, Virginia Tech. Yeah. Uh, he did not wear number seven in high school. Oh, um, no. I'm pretty sure he wore a different number. I think it was like eleven or something like okay, that. That could be right. But um, yeah. So that's uh, that's my number seven, Michael Vick. Okay. Well, I got at number eight. I got the new Mike Vick in Lamar Jackson. Okay. Okay. Okay, so number nine, I'm gonna have to go with my 
personal favorite quarterback when I was growing up. That's that's definitely Damon Allen. I knew you were going to go Arnold, with Damon. Lions, you know, man, he was something. He was something, for sure. Okay, number 10, okay? Again, this is a strange one here. Pittsburgh fan, right? Slash, Cordell uh-huh. Stewart. Slash. I was just watching the NFL top ten yesterday <laughs> about something about slash too. That's too funny. Yeah. All right. So number eleven. Number eleven. All right. I'm gonna go back to the uh, early '80s on this one. Okay. Uh, for the Dallas Cowboys, oh. number eleven, Danny White. Danny White. <laughs> I like it. I like Danny it. White. You're digging deep yeah. in the history here. I like it. Yes. Okay. Yes. All right. Number twelve. Now, I mean, we could go with so many guys here, but uh, mm-hmm. I'm just gonna go with with Aaron Rodgers, right? I mean, okay. Right. I mean, how could he not? How could he not? Right. Yes, absolutely. Um, I think for thirteen, I'm gonna take the greatest quarterback to ever wear number thirteen, and that would be the leader of the show. On turf, and that would be Kurt oh, Warner. Kurt Warner. I didn't think of Kurt Warner. That's a great yeah. word. That's, that's a good word. Good word. Okay. All Kurt right. Warner. So I got 14. Hmm. Okay. Well, I'm going to go back to the, the powder blue San Diego Superchargers with Dan Fouts at number 14. <laughs> nice. Nice. All right. So I got 15. Yep. Uh, I'm going to. I, I think I could take the easy pick on this, but I'm going to go way back, and I'm going to go to the Baltimore Colts. Uh, also played with the Miami Dolphins. Earl Morrow. Earl Morrow. Wow. <laughs> this is incredible. I love where we're going with this. All right. Okay. Number 16. I'm going to go with the number one draft pick coming up in Trevor Lawrence with 16. Okay. Okay. I'm gonna go back once more to the eighties. Okay. And with number seventeen, I'm going to take the first black quarterback to ever win a Super Bowl, Doug Williams. Doug Williams. Wow. All right. Number eighteen. Well, it's gotta be Peyton. Who who else am I gonna pick at eighteen? Right? That's that's the first thing that comes to mind. (laughs) Who who you got for the last one at nineteen? At nineteen. I'm going to take one of the greatest Cleveland Browns of all time, number 19, Bernie Kozar. Bernie Kozar, way to cap it off. Back at it for the second quarter with Coach Geese and Sweet Daddy Soul. So, cuz, I know you grew up playing some hockey, playing playing lots of sports growing up, but, uh, you know, you got into football, uh, started playing community ball. Can you take my audience through kind of your football journey from start to finish of your playing days? You know, in the schoolyard is where it all kind of started. You go out there, recess, lunchtime, whatever, and, and you know, you, you grab a pigskin and, and you sling that thing around, whether it's, you know, sunshine or snow or a little bit of rain, it didn't matter, you know. <laughs> uh, that's where it started for me, really. But, uh, you know, I, I went off and played uh, – some community ball with the Nomads and the Eagles when I was younger. And I moved to Calgary and spent some time in Las Vegas and 
played a little bit of community ball uh, throughout those travels. And, uh, you know, uh, stepping into high school was a little crazy for me. I mean, I, I played for, oh, geez, like four schools, you know, yeah. kind of a little bit of a wild life going on when I was younger, you know, there's lots of things going on in my family life and stuff like that. So I was bouncing around a lot, but it was great because I got to meet so many different people, learn, learn so many different things, uh, so, so many different, you know, uh, styles on how to train or, you know, how, how to be better at my position. Um, and, and, you know, that was, that was obviously really rewarding, um, you know, behind what was a little bit of chaotic family life, but, uh, um, you know, I played it all over Winnipeg and, you know, got to play on provincial team and stuff like that. And, um, from there, you know, getting to go and play in university, it was really cool. Only got to do that for a short period of time, but to get to go and, you know, travel around, uh, Canada and, and get to play football is, you know, a, a really amazing experience. Obviously like a dream come true for me being a young kid, just kind of from humble beginnings, you know, playing in the schoolyard and stuff like that. But, uh, you know, um, just, just kind of touching on that, like, uh, football has always been something where, you know, like I slept with the football, you know, at nighttime, you know, it was, it was right next to my head and you, know, you wake up the next day and you just can't wait till recess. And, you know, if you do have football practice, you know, you're chopping at the bit to get to practice. And even when you're done practice, you, know, you go home, you're watching NFL film, you know, <laughs> it's like whatever football, just suck it all in. You know? Yeah. And, um, you know, that journey of just like, you know, doing it in the schoolyard, doing it in community or high school and, you know, going home to watch it and doing all those things. There's still some things I still do to this day just to like kind of, you know, catch my bearings and stuff because it's something I'm so used to doing every day of my life growing up. So football's, uh, you know, it's a great game, but it's, uh, it gives you a lot of tools for life too, which, uh, very, very fondly can remember certain situations with coaches or, players or stuff that were really life building situations. So, um, you know, I want to touch on, know, I want to touch on one of the things that you were mentioning here. Cause is like, you know, you're talking about bouncing around from place to place. Right. And you know, that's chaotic yeah. for a life situation, but you mentioned kind of the positives in the sense that you got to experience maybe a lot of different coaches and coaching styles and training philosophies. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's really important <laughs> for the young athlete to know that like, that will truly benefit you in the long term. I think there's some people that think, you know, I should only train with this one group or whatever. Or they know everything that's best. And it's like, you know what? Like, if I was coming up today, I would want to train with as many people as I can to, to learn as much as I can and experience a bunch of different coaches because that's what's truly going to make you better. Yeah, absolutely, man. So. Absolutely. It's uh, so important to just, you know, try to, try to be a sponge not just in football, but, you know, those same principles apply to life too, you know, just be a sponge, you know, and if you're talking, you're not really going to hear so much, you're not going to be able to hear so well either, you know, um, so just being a sponge and absorbing all the information you can just, you know, applies to the game of football, but also applies really well to the game of life, and I hope that, like, any young listeners or, I mean, any young young guys that you got, I know for sure that you're, you're reiterating that to them all the time too, so. Yeah, absolutely. But okay, if we if we pick up from you know you you went to St. Effects for some university ball, um, and then yes. and then you know talk talk about that experience, and then you you ended up playing some junior ball out in BC. Yeah, that's right. Uh, right out of high school, I went to uh, St. Francis Xavier University in uh, Antigonish, Nova Scotia, 
uh, uh, Nova Scotia. Um, the head coach there is Gary Waterman. Still, the, he's still the head coach there. Yeah. Uh, coach Waterman's doing doing a hell of a job with the program there. Um, so I, uh, my first year, 2009. And yeah, Waterman's still there. He was there my first year. Um, that was a really interesting experience. Uh, traveling from you know being from Winnipeg and going to Nova Scotia, bit of a culture shock for sure. Definitely. Uh, people are really friendly there. Uh, not that people aren't friendly in Winnipeg. There's just less friendly people in Winnipeg. <laughs> <laughs> but um, <laughs> you know, uh, Annie Dish is pretty sweet, and all the people there are really sweet people. Um, and uh, you know, what an amazing school. I mean, there was. Uh, about 60% of the school, like, kind of, like, lived on campus. So, okay. you know, it's pretty wild, like, party school. <laughs> <laughs> uh, a lot of interesting stuff going on, I'll just say that. But, um, Santa Fex, uh, playing football there, uh, interesting. A lot of weather fluctuations. So, mm. as a quarterback, definitely a tough climate to play in. Um, that was something that, uh, luckily, wasn't, such a uh, culture shock for me in that sense because playing in Winnipeg, I mean, we kind of deal with the mother situation. <laughs> Definitely. Here, so. um, but uh, you know, it was it was really interesting to be like a freshman and like you know be dressing like my first like game and stuff like that. And the guys like they were really cool about taking me in. Um, guys like Steve Snyder and Keem Foster, uh, one. Most notably, who was a really big impact on me was Enoch Mwamba, former uh, first overall CFL draft pick. Yeah. He was a really, really awesome guy to be around. Just his work ethic, him and his brother Koshi, who played a number of years in CFL. Uh, they were really, really uh, good people to be around. Just learning about what hard work's all about, you know? Because like these guys would be up at like five thirty, six o'clock in the morning, training their ass off in the gym, and then they'd be up for like. You know, seven thirty meal hall, boom. Then they go and train after that, and get another session in, and then I'd see them at practice later. And then after practice later, they'd be in the gym doing some type of cool down. Like, wow. like what? Yeah, yeah. Like that's next level. Like, you you see why Keenock is where he is right now right. and what he's done, what he's done. Like it's no secret, hard work pays off. But if you got talent to boot with it, you're gonna go a lot of places, really far. Um, so being around that was. Uh, uh, for me, just in a in a life standpoint, uh, just growing as a human being to see that, I was like, wow, like, you know, if I ever want to be successful at anything, whether it's football or anything, uh, those are the principles you need to apply in order to be successful. And uh, hard work, man, can't preach it enough. No. But, um, yeah, so that was a great experience. I played two years at St. Effects. Uh, didn't end that well. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, Football ends for all of us at one point. Yes. Um, my second year at St. FX was really tough. My first year was pretty successful. You know, I scored touchdowns, stuff like that. Had a lot of playing time. Um, was put in some big situations. You know, was able to kind of handle the pressure I had under me. Uh, being a freshman, which was cool. It was great. We went to the AUS title game. Unfortunately, we lost. Uh, but my second year was a tough year. It was a tough year for the team. Losing a lot of veteran players. Um you know, also, it's, it's going to be tough for second-year head coach, too. Like, geez, we had, like, so many young guys. Mm-hmm. And, you know, just trying to, like, build camaraderie and, you know, build a nucleus with all these new players, I think, was a challenge for, for everybody, you know. So our second year wasn't that great. And after the second year, I ended up getting hurt, sitting out for a while. And, um, started to kind of, like, make plans to go to BC. 
and uh, I went out and played in, or sorry, not played, but uh, tried out, I guess you could call it that, uh, went to Victoria mm-hmm. first, and um, that was a really cool experience because I got flown out there nice, nicely enough by uh, the Cardalakias there when they were the coaches, um, nice people, um, and uh, there was a camp with like a um, big kind of like banquet at the end of it. Um, and it was all about uh, Wally Bono and G. Barsheim. Okay. And um, uh, someone reminded me not too long ago that it was not just those two, but it was actually Moel Wanibi getting his jersey retired. Oh, wow. <laughs> and I totally forgot about that. <laughs> <laughs> but to me, it was like, well, Wally Bono and G. Barsheim were there. And they had like a speech, but I didn't, I didn't realize the speech. Uh, oh, well. Moel, oh, I'm so sorry. But, um, <laughs> It was really cool, uh, getting to meet them and like getting to like have all these like really like experienced guest coaches, like Stampeders or former Stampeders, come out to the spring camp and like help coach. That was really cool. And after that, I went to the Okanagan and uh, went to a camp there. And um, I ended up deciding to go and play with them that season because I had some friends there. Um, you know, it was. One of those things where, like, you go to Kelowna, you've never been to Kelowna, and you just don't even know that Canada's got such a, like, little secret like that, yeah. you know? And anybody who's been to Kelowna knows what I'm talking about. Like, wow, beautiful place. How could you not want to go play football there? And then you go see the Apple Bowl. And, I mean, you know, we're kind of humble. We come from, like, humble beginnings as, like, you know, with football in Canada. Like, it's not like we've got big stadiums like the States and stuff like that, you right. know? So the Apple Bowl, I mean, it's pretty nice for a junior football team. <laughs> so um, I think that was pretty enticing to me. And, um, you know, I went and played there and I ended up kind of having to compete for the job uh, with the local kid who's like, you know, pretty well known in like the news there for like high school stuff. Was a bit of a phenom, I guess, in BC high school football. But I had to go toe to toe with him. And um, they're kind of dubbing us like 1A, 1B when it first started. And, you know, I just did everything I could uh, to take the job, you know what I mean, and, and be the quarterback there, and I ended up beating them out. And uh, I had one really, really fun and good season there at, uh, with the Okanagan Sun, and um, set a couple of records and stuff like that, and just really enjoyed myself just out off the field, too. Um, it was one of the, the best years of my life. I'll, I'll never forget it, you know what I mean? I, every time I go back to Kelowna, I just think of all those great memories with the team, and uh, all the traveling we did, all the bus trips, and you know the ups and the downs. It's not just the high times you remember; it's the low times when you're bickering and going back and forth. And it's when you really gel and you know bond with some of these people for life. Like I still talk to some of these guys that I played with that year, still, and that's like 13. No, sorry, almost 10, 11 years ago now. Yeah, from the sun. But you know, lifelong relationships. You know what I mean? And um, I'm so grateful that some of these guys, like you know. Uh, with what I'm doing now, like, you know, they're still supportive of me just as much as they were then when I was their quarterback as, as I, as I am now is just some, some crazy carny wrestler <laughs> driving around making shows. <laughs> so, um, yeah, man. Uh, those two experiences alone were super, super cool. I was in Serbia and, um, yeah, that was wild. Like, first of all, just like, can you imagine like just never leaving, like, north america really and like hopping on a plane 
and going to some random part of Europe. Like, <laughs> I was like, I, know. I don't know what I was thinking. I was just like, yeah, I'm going to go and do this. I remember, I, remember when like, you, I remember when you told me, and I was like, wow, like, you got some balls, man. Like, that's, that's a big move. <laughs> <laughs> Crazy, man. And, like, just getting on a plane and, like, just knowing, like, okay, so my first stop's going to be in France. Never been to France before. Right. I don't really speak French. I don't really like Quebec French anyway. All right, I'll just shut up and speak English. You know, this is thought process going through my head. <laughs> like, you know, find myself. Here we go. And, uh, you know, I get to, like, Austria. And, like, I just remember them having the most kick-ass airplane sandwiches I've ever had in my life. I don't know what the hell they were made out of. But they were, like, green, gooey, delicious bites of just heaven and i just i'll never forget it like it was so good so good it was so good that i had to ask the guy who was not eating it across from me if i could have this he, he politely gave me the there you go like, you muscled them for but, a sandwich yeah exactly but like i got to serbia and i was just like holy like this is this is not this i'm not in kansas anymore no <laughs> this is different man yeah but like you like, I, man, I go off the plane and just like everything's in Cyrillic, you know. I'm like, what the, like, I can't read this. Right. Like, what is this? This is like some stuff I've seen in some like war movie. I just remember some like submarine movie when I was younger, uh-huh. and like seeing Russian like lettering, and I was like, right. all right, that's what that reminded me of when I first got off the plane. Definitely. And like, that. yeah, so. And, man, I went, and uh, the guys took me to get some food and stuff, and, man, it was wild. Like, they got me this burger, and it was, like, like five times as big as, like, any, like, like picture, like, a little McDonald's cheeseburger, but, like, five times as big as that. Okay. And it was huge, and, like, the, the patty, like, it was as big as the, the bun. Like, <laughs> it was just massive, and it was so good. Oh, man, I... Man, I could, we could do a whole podcast just talking about, just about your food choices. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, they like their street pizza, the mm-hmm. bomb diggity. Oh my goodness! <laughs> like, this the ingredients they come up with, and like they like make the pizza right in front of you. Like you look through their little window and like just watch them just do their thing, man. Very cool. But um, so football in Serbia was, you know, um, it was. It was not football like where I'm from or the United States. Uh, it was a lot different. I mean, they definitely did their best to try to give it like that professional atmosphere. You know, like it gate off things, and you know when you run out of the tunnel and stuff like that. And like, you know, it was it was cool. Um, you know, you had like little cheerleaders and stuff like that. And you know, you you do the whole like get on the bus and go do the trips and stuff. But man, like. Of course, I didn't know that, like, their equipment was lacking out there. So I'm like, yeah, I'll just bring a football, you know, a leather football. No, okay, I'll bring, like, a replica NFL one. Well, thank God I did. (laughs) (laughs) They didn't have a ball? We would have been playing with a damn Nerf ball if they had it their way, man. So I was like, oh, no way. So I had this ball, and unfortunately, the first game of the year, it, it it rains. Oh. So, you know what happens to the leather ball. Oh, yeah. Gets all dried up. And, yeah, not good, man. So, you know, played most of the season with a really, really hard football to grip. Jeez. You know, managed to have a pretty decent little season. Okay. <laughs> um, 
the practices were sparsely attended. I'll just say that much. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and um, it was it was a really fun time. And uh, I know it sounds like I'm just kind of just messing around talking about it, but realistically, like you go somewhere, you learn a new language. You meet all these people who are so interested about what this game is because a lot of them don't understand it. You're teaching guys about a game in a language that's not their first. <laughs> right. It's pretty wild, man, some of the funny things that happen, you know. And the cool thing about Serbian dudes is, like, they love to party, whether they win or they lose. They just love to have a good time, man. They don't take things too seriously. They certainly don't take life too seriously. They've been through a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. So you get the combination of all those different little things, and it makes for a pretty wild, amazing experience. Um you know, when you win games, obviously, it makes it that much more fun. We, we enjoyed some wins and stuff like that. Um, but there's other, like, there's other light moments that happen when we had, like, little team bonding situations. And I was just like, what the hell are we doing drinking a bunch of vodka before a football game? <laughs> you know? Yeah. <laughs> what are we doing here, guys? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we got to go out there and play right away. <laughs> yeah. But, um. Man, they're just so cool. Um, some of the guys were like super, super talented too. Like I was surprised that um, some of them had the skill levels that they did have because, you know, as far as I was told, like they didn't have a ton of coaching. So, mm-hmm. I mean, there's some guys out there that could easily be playing CIS, U Sport, you know, CJFL or anything like that, and be dominating the game. Um, a lot of talent. Their leagues are getting a lot better. Um, they had a few leagues there. They had a women's flag league that was pretty competitive. Right. They had a young kids flag league that was pretty competitive. Um, so that was pretty cool to see. Like, the game was growing, for sure. And, you know, they did have the the Premier League that I was in, playing in, on the television there. So, you know, you could catch football weekly on the TV. So that stuff was pretty cool. Um, you know, uh, as far as, like... Um, the fields and stuff, that was tricky. Sometimes you play on some pretty messed up fields. Um, sometimes you play on some nice ones, you know. Mm-hmm. Just kind of hit or miss there. Uh, and just uh, playing the American game, that was a bit of an adjustment for me, you know. Um, sure. Obviously, the Canadian rules and the American rules are a lot different. Fields, uh, fields a lot smaller. Um, so those, those factors kind of played into uh, my skill level or lack thereof <laughs> for certain situations well, uh, learning it, on the fly a little bit but. it's funny that you mentioned it's funny that you mentioned that i've said this on a previous podcast but back in the day my my pops used to take me to und for und football camp right so uh mm. you know i remember my grade 12 year going up and we were doing like probably like a, a skelly session or whatever right and yeah. uh and they were playing cover three i knew they were playing zone i didn't know what the heck anybody was doing man and I remember, yeah. like, all – I couldn't throw anything other than, like, fades down the sideline, one-on-one shots. And, like, I could throw mm-hmm. – you, you know, I could throw a nice ball back in the day and, and kind of put it up top. And, and guys were making mm-hmm. plays for me. But I remember, like, I couldn't hit a slant or nothing. Like, it was like I kept missing because the timing mm-hmm. is different, right? And, like, oh, the, way, the way we're used to the timing off our footwork is different than how the American game is. That's another thing, mm-hmm. too, is, like, there's a lot of kids here, you know, I know in Canada but locally here – that are playing seven on seven football and it is great for them to be playing seven on seven football, but like for a quarterback, you're playing, you're playing the American game when you're playing seven on seven. So it's, it's different, right? So 
It kind of yeah, makes me chuckle when I see guys they're posting. Oh, I'm watching my my seven on seven film. Like they're learning. I'm like, okay, well, it's not really the same game. Like anyway, no. but um, you know, one of the other no. things you kind of mentioned about that I want to want to talk about is you know playing in the rain because I don't know about you, but like I like if I was coaching me, like take me out when it's raining because I'm no good. Like put somebody else in. Like I I can throw it in the snow in the wind, but in the rain, take me out. How how did you adjust to the rain? How did you throw the ball in the rain? You know, it's it's kind of crazy because I remember having a quarterback coach, Donnie Davis, play for the University of New Brunswick Red Bombers Ooh. way back in the day. Okay. Um, and he made a comment to me one day at practice. He's like, damn it, Jeremy, how do you throw a perfect tight spiral in the rain? I said, you know what, coach? I don't know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, all I know is... When it comes to rain games, I've played, like, dog shit. And, most, <laughs> and I think that goes for most quarterbacks. Yeah. Because it's a, it's a discipline thing. Like, okay, yes, you can throw the ball in the rain. Mm-hmm. But do you really want to take a risk on, say, a five-yard out mm-hmm. when you know your guy's going to round it like a banana? Right. And that's some, you know what, Corner, halfback, whatever, will linebacker who's chilling out there yep. is going to undercut that shit. Mm-hmm. And you're not going to get enough zip on the ball. And it's going to be pick six the other way. Yes. And I'm going to throw, I'm going to, I'm going to do this because, you know, I just love football so much. And I'm, I'm willing to be a man about this. But Tanner Hamadi, <laughs> Tanner Hamadi, he is my arch nemesis, played for Chilliwack <laughs> out uh, BC. Yep. And this guy, twice in one game, Picked me off by me throwing a stupid ass ball to the flats, and he took it for six, man, twice in the same game, and it was one of the worst junior games I had ever played. I think I threw for like fifty percent. I still had about three sixty and change in the air for like three touchdowns, but I had two big, big, big uh, bullseyes in my little other interception corner, and. Um, yeah, Tanner Hamadi, man. Big shout out to him on that one. Back at it for the third quarter with Coach Geese and Sweet Daddy Soul. Because you got to travel the world a little bit for football, right? You experienced a lot of things in Canada, and then you're just alluding to your, your time in Serbia. You know, you've also been able to do the same a little bit with your wrestling career. I'd love for you to tell my audience about, the, you know, your journey through wrestling, where you're at now, chasing your passion. So, always a, always a lifelong fan. Uh, I think the first thing I ever fell in love with was wrestling growing up. You know, uh, I was just a kid turning on the TV set and finding guys like The Rock and Stone Cold and Triple H and Kane and The Undertaker and Mankind, just to name a few. Um you know, and I just, it stuck with me. I, I saw events and stuff when I was younger. I just loved it. I was super, super passionate about it. Something about just the art form of performing. I just, I love that combined with the athleticism and the theater involved in it too. So basically, you know, uh, athletics were a big part of my life. Uh, football, uh, we, we, we touched on that. Um, so I was about 22 years old uh, when I went to Europe. And while I was playing ball in Serbia, I got really into watching wrestling again on my downtime. And basically, I started researching where could I go get trained. So when I got back to Canada, I started looking it up. And I found about found out about the Lance Storm Academy in Calgary. 
Mm-hmm. So I messaged Lance Storm. Uh, he's got a, a questionnaire thing that he gets everybody to email him, and he kind of goes through that and uh, talks to you back and forth. Um, so basically, I didn't uh, pull the trigger right away because four thousand dollars is not in my bank account, baby. <laughs> so uh, basically, um, <clears throat> uh, some time went by. A uh, year and a half went by. Um, there was some stuff I was doing in between there that I probably shouldn't have been doing, but um, you know, figuring it out as all young people do. Mm-hmm. Uh, I came around to being uh, twenty-four years old. And that's when I messaged Lance again made the intent to go and get trained. Um, so I moved out to Calgary where I had my daughter uh, and um, things ended up happening where I didn't end up staying in Calgary too long, but I did end up uh, having my daughter come back to Winnipeg with me. Mm-hmm. And when I went back to Winnipeg in my passing through uh, Calgary back to Winnipeg, somebody connected with me with a guy named AJ Sanchez and AJ, uh, unfortunately about four or five months prior had just gotten out of a serious car accident where he almost died um so he was kind of getting uh back into shape kind of things and uh started training guys out of his garage and i was one of those guys and basically um you know real humble beginnings man uh nice 12 by 12 tony candelo boxing ring and if anybody doesn't know who tony candelo is he's a uh, uh, independent wrestling legend in Canada for running Northern Death Tours. They called them Death Tours because literally people would drive across frozen ice. That was the highways. Oh, really? Just frozen lakes. So, um, <laughs> it, it, uh, co- it, the, the term was coined the Death Tour when uh, it uh, word got out about what they were like and what it was all about. Um, so, basically, one of those rings that was on a lot of those tours for the last 30 years was the ring I got to train in to uh, break my little uh, back into the world of pro wrestling. And um, that was an interesting experience being in a garage where, you know, my head uh, knocked out every single light consecutively as training progressed for, you know, every other odd day for a few months. Wow. <laughs> um, it was a great experience. Um, you know, cold nights, daughter on my shoulders, often on the bus three hours of training time, you know, walking from Safeway with bags in both arms with my daughter on my shoulders. Mm-hmm. A lot of really great memories. A lot of really humbling memories. Um, and that's how it started for me. And uh, it was tough. It was tough, but I loved every every minute of it. And especially having my daughter with me, going to training, getting on the bus with me, getting off, asking her asking me to go on my shoulders. Those moments, those are things I'll never forget. Very special moments to have with your child. Um, when you're going through something as vigorous as wrestling training, you know, and they're just a little kid just kind of watching you like, daddy, you're kind of crazy. <laughs> you know, <laughs> what the hell are you do? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> you know, and eventually she got into gymnastics by watching me do wrestling training. She's pretty good at that. So, awesome. you know, I'll say, you know, win-win for both of us yeah. out of that. But, um, you know, I broke in in Winnipeg and I did some touring as a referee to get some experience. Um, you know, I was trained by local guys in the beginning, um, and that, that was really cool. I ended up making my way out to Calgary after about a year, uh, and then finally I got to go and train with Lance Storm, and that was a really great experience. You know, I uh, learned a lot in his class. I did really well as far as just picking things up and becoming more polished of a wrestler, um, and, you know, Lance Storm, a lot of people, you know, hold him accountable as being, you know, the best uh, trainer as far as, you know, learning the basics are concerned, you know, 
And I feel like that because I feel like I've been able to protect myself in certain ways that, you know, I can definitely hold to Lance's training. Um, just there's certain things about uh, what you do in a wrestling ring that are just very dangerous. And you got to be technically sound in order to avoid any type of injury, just as much as we need to with football or any right. other sport out there. Um, so, yeah, my wrestling journey, you know, took me to Calgary and trained with Lance Storm. Um, after that, you know, things started to really pick up for me. You know, I was uh, getting some good recognition from my peers and stuff like that and fans out here. And um, I ended up being uh, in uh, the sports page nine of the Calgary Sun, uh, diving on the top rope and, and doing an article for them. Um, I had won the uh, heavyweight championship for Real Canadian Wrestling in 2019. So some really bright moments happened after, you know, putting that hard work in, um, obviously, uh, is, is the reason why, though. Um, um, anything that I've been successful at in wrestling has definitely come from a lot of the hard work I've put in the gym or, or you know, in, in, in the ring, training. And, um, you know, after that, I ended up getting really hurt. Uh, I broke my ankle, separated my shoulder in a match. Um, that was devastating. You know, I'm, I'm a big believer in, you know, growth and, um, you know, try to come out the, coming out the other side, uh, better than you came, uh, you know, entered. Mm -hmm. And, uh, one of the things that happened for me there when I got injured was I got to take some time for myself and I got to visit an old game that I love and that was football. And, um, one really cool thing that happened to me in my little break there in 2019 after I got hurt was I went to Columbia I got to coach American football in Columbia. Okay. And that was an amazing experience. I got to coach a young boys flag team. I got to coach and kind of help quarterback a men's uh, pro team. And I got to help uh, coach a young girls flag team. And, and, you know, I got to travel to Bogota through the mountains. And, um, you know, I got to go and learn a new language. And um, I went and made this decision to go and do this because one, I wanted to help out do something while I was recovering. Two, I really wanted to learn Spanish because I had aspirations to go to Mexico mm -hmm. and, and wrestle. And as I lead off of going to Colombia and coach, then <clears throat> things started to pick up for me after I left Colombia and decided to kind of take my career a little bit further with wrestling. I decided to go all the way out to Newfoundland to go and hang out with a friend and wrestle there for about a month and a half. And from there, I uh, took off and went to Las Vegas, trained at uh, Future Stars Wrestling Academy. Uh, just right off the Las Vegas Strip there, which was a really amazing experience. Um, I came back up to Calgary quickly before I jetted down to Mexico last year in March. And uh, I spent a year, just a little over a year in Mexico, living there and embracing the culture and the language and uh, becoming a professional wrestler and a name out there, uh, better better known to them as a luchador. Mm -hmm. um, and that, that experience in itself has just been amazing going to mexico and uh learning a new language and um just learning learning a lot of different uh life tools and stuff along the way being down there and going through so many different uh situations and scenarios where you know you you, you know you got to uh you got to be careful um going to different countries and you know uh trying to you know ingrain yourself into their way of being or uh, you know, it's just, it, it, it makes for interesting tales for sure. <laughs> but, uh, life experiences, you know, um, definitely, definitely all about those. And I, I've had a lot of that going on, uh, with wrestling, um, all over the place so far. You know, one thing that I'm interested in, so you had sent me some, some of your matches on video a while back and I was watching them and, 
was getting pretty into it, pretty pumped. You're, uh, you know, rocking the crowd and kind of I, I, what I'm interested in, cause is like what goes into like making your character. Well, I think for me, it's always been an intuition thing when it comes to being creative. Um, when it came to making my wrestling character, I kind of had an idea of what I wanted to do based on what I was attached to or attracted to growing up. Okay. And for me, I love movies. I love anime. Um, I love fighters, UFC fighters. I grew up watching that when I was really, really young. I, I already had that on the TV. I was six years old watching that. And that's when it came out. I was lucky. Right. So I had all these different like outlets for superheroes and um, just different types of like, you know, figures to look up to, if you will. When I thought of myself and my own personality and stuff, um, right off the bat with wrestling, I just didn't really know where I was at. I was like, well, you know, I dance a little bit, or you know, I, I have a decent voice. Um, wrestling's all about characters, and it's it's melodrama. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's it's opera. It's soap opera. It's you know, it's it's an alternate reality with with fighting in it. You know what I mean? Like it's there's so many ways to describe it, but for me, I was always attracted to you know like superheroes, and most people don't consider this movie to be a superhero movie. But my favorite movie growing up was The Kid the Mask. Okay. And I loved Jim Carrey because his personality had so many ranges from all these different characters he had played prior to that movie that mm-hmm. I had loved anyways, like Ace Ventura or mm-hmm. Liar Liar, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and his personality as an actor through all these films I'd seen really attracted to me as like something that could always like create a tickle inside of my chest. It, mm-hmm. it was just always like, what is it about him that I just, you know, like I can't stop watching. And when I thought about creating a wrestling character, that was the first thing I thought of was somebody that um, people just couldn't take their eye off of and gave them good feelings and, you know, gave them a good performance. And I thought of Jim Carrey always when I would think of something like that. Um, and the movie, the mask, of course, but like just his range as a performer. And when I look at wrestlers, and guys uh, that I've watched in WWE or WWF, WCW, ECW growing up, I always saw, you know, from year one to like year five and like that range that they showed as a performer and all the different dips and turns and, and dives and um, highs and lows that they went through. And you, you saw that like resonate through the screen. And to me, um, I just felt like there was some, there was something about that that I was really connected to and, Whenever I've watched movies as a kid or even now as an adult, I have these goosebump or like butterfly type moments where I can get really emotional just from a scene or just from a moment from a movie. Like I always think of like Remember the Titans when um, like Gary Bertier and um, Julius Campbell start pushing each other. Left side, strong side, left side, strong side. Like when, when I see that. Like, that makes me feel good. It's like, yeah, like, unity, we're together, we got this. Mm-hmm. You know, that's football. Yes. You know what I mean? And, like, those things uh, that come from football are, like, you know, they're, they're foundational things with life, too. Like, you know, when you have those types of uh, foundations built in you, like, you're such a more well-rounded person. So I think most football players are pretty well-rounded people. Like, they just learn how to be well-rounded because they're around so many different personalities all the time. And fortunately enough, that's the same thing with wrestlers. You have to learn how to just work with somebody, even if you don't like them. 
Mm-hmm. You have to learn how to work with them. You have to learn how to respect each other. It's the same thing with game of football. You know what I mean? And like, that's what I love so much about creating my character is my character is based off of all those principles and based off all those like fun, love, fun loving attitudes and, and actions and emotions that you see out of football players and athletes in general. And like, I feel like Jim Carrey to me was like the, the guy who personified emotion out of his face and out of his body better than any actor I'd ever seen. To me, it's all about your soul, man. It's all about what, what you, what you really cling to inside. Like what, what's, What's got deep meaning to you? Like for me, my character is all about all those things. It's all about finding all those things. And like, if anybody's ever seen the movie Hook, Peter Pan, Robin Williams, find your happy thought. That's what ha- that's what that's all about when it comes to like succeeding at sport or succeeding at life or at your job or whatever it is. It's all about finding what drives you, so that you can push that into your will and make that your power. You know what I mean? And like for me, that's the really cool part about wrestling and like being a pro wrestler is that's what you're doing. And you're and you're the best part about it is you're actually showing people that that's what you're doing and they might get it. They might not, but if they come follow you and they like what you do and you do your job, well, they're going to follow you and they're going to see that in you that you just keep giving everything that you have and you build up that willpower by what you do in the gym, by what you do in the ring, by what you do on the kitchen table, what you put in your body, you know, you know, what you do, what you, you know, what you drink, all that stuff, it all matters, right? And, like, that's the cool part about being a professional wrestler is, like, maybe we don't get to do that so much as a football player when we got a helmet on. But as a wrestler, your face is right there. Your face mm-hmm. is your moneymaker. I love it, because I love the insight into, you know, all the things that go into making that character in the process that you've gone through. And, again, the grind, right? Like, it's not easy. Fighting adversity through injuries and coming back, you're still always grinding. So I, I love the story there, because... Uh, just to tell you one thing, like, yeah. that's another thing about wrestling. Same thing with football, like injuries, man. Like, there's just a lot of them. For example, like me, I've had 15 dislocations in the last year alone because of a shoulder that I still don't have repaired from an injury I had two years ago with a broken ankle. And like, yeah. you got to push through that stuff. Like, no matter what you want to do in life, like, you know, whether it's, like I said, like your job or whatever, right? Like, you just got to push through. Some days are really, really tough, but, you know. It's character, and that's what you make out of yourself when you decide, all right, like, I'm going to do this. That's all character, right? And, like, that's what wrestlers do. It's like making that decision, like, I'm going to keep going. That's character. That's what builds character. Back at it for the fourth quarter with Sweet Daddy Soul, Jeremy Joseph. NFL draft is is coming around the corner here. Us approaching next week, you know, cuz can you rank those top 5 QBs? Like how, how do you see the top 5 QBs? Let's not worry about where they're going, but but give me your top 5. Top five. Yeah, my top 5. You know, you're going to be surprised as my number 1, but okay. my number 1 coming out this year is quarterback North Dakota number 5, Trey Ooh, Lance. He Trey is Lance. the beast. Yeah. He is the one. A lot of people don't realize how good he really is because of the competition he played against, but I don't think that really matters. I see a big-bodied guy that can run up and down the field, run you over, run around you, and sling that football 70-something yards. So uh, He's my number one. Um, number two, Trevor Lawrence. Uh, obviously, you know, the man at Clemson, done a lot of amazing things in his career so far. Uh, number three for me is Justin Fields. Uh Mm-hmm. Big-time college football player at Ohio State, set a lot of records, did a lot of great things. Maybe a little bit, 
inconsistent, but I think that's got something to do with his limitations with that offense that he was running. I don't think it was built well for him. Uh, number four, to me, this is hard, but uh, Mac Jones, okay. Alabama. Okay. He's, you know, he's, he's, he's got to be my number four. Um, guy's a baller, consistent. Um, you know, he, he's got a little bit of Tom Brady swag to him, too. So yeah. uh, I think he's going to have a really good NFL career. Um, but uh, I think uh, for me, uh, number five, um, I think Kyle Trask at Florida, nice. uh, great quarterback, uh, talented. Um, he's a sleeper. We'll see where he goes. Yeah. I'm hoping the Bucks pick him up and he sits behind Brady for at least two years. He could be the guy to kind of take over for them. If he doesn't go there, I'm hoping John Gruden makes that makes that decision. Says, hey, you know what? This kid slid. If anything happens to Derek Carr, I think this kid might be able to go in there and play right away for me. I like that. Mm-hmm. I like Kyle Trask to end up with the Raiders. Yeah, no, but, I, I like that too. I was kind of hoping maybe he'd fall to my Steelers and replace Ben in a year or so. Yeah, no, absolutely. Right? <laughs> no, I, I, Kyle Trask is a great quarterback, and I think he is definitely a sleeper, right? I, I'm a homer being a Gator fan, but but he's a, he's a solid Q. What about uh, an announcement came out a couple of days ago about the CFL – uh, postponing, but essentially setting a date of August 5th as a potential start date. Uh, they're saying the Grey Cup will be pushed back. They would get a 14-game season. The Grey Cup, I think they're saying December 12th. Uh, I'm super hopeful for a true CFL season. Uh, how do you feel about how, how the CFL, you know, didn't play last year and, and possibly, you know, maybe not playing this year? How, what do you think? Yeah, you know, I'm, I I feel like it's time for uh, the CFL to explore other opportunities. Um, the game of football is growing uh, on an American level. I'm sorry to say, not on a Canadian level. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the XFL game brings a new uh, wrinkle to the style, and I think that the Canadians can accept this new style and, and like it. Um the three downs, yeah, I get it. You know, our football, you know, our field size, I get it. But, like, sometimes you just got to accept that it's time for change. And I think the best thing for the CFL would be to kind of jump on board with the XFL. And a guy like Dwayne Johnson has proven already he's a pretty successful businessman. This last one, man, I became a big fan watching that game. It was really good. I late football. Yeah. Like, I, I just, to me, from what I saw, I saw players I'd never heard of making plays I didn't know that could be made. And I saw different uh, ways of approaching the game and the rules of the game to be beneficial for not only the fans, but the players and their health. Mm-hmm. And you know what, man? That's win-win for me because when it comes to CFL or NFL, the injuries, it's too many. Yeah. It's too many. And that needs to stop. And it, maybe we need to make the game safer. I think the XFL did that. So um, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm all for it. And I hope it goes down. Uh, I, I know that Dwayne Johnson, the rock, you know, he's got history with the Calgary Stampeders organization and I, and I can probably imagine he just wants to see a really successful league amalgamated with both the Canadians and the American fans equally. And why not? Like this is good for everyone. And this gives Canadian talent and players the opportunity to go and make a few American dollars, if mm-hmm. you will which is a few more bucks than what the Canadian dollars are. So, right. you know, win-win for everybody. Plus, you know, I know that some of these CFL teams are just draw, they're, they're, uh, starving for money. Mm-hmm. You, go and, you go and amalgamate with the XFL, hey, man, 
I mean, how's that not a win-win? Right. Now we can talk about what happens with U Sports later, but how would it not be a win-win to have all of these schools now get put into D2 or D1 AA? How would that not help attendance at games, and how would that not push the uh, the business model of some of these U-sport programs? I don't know, and I see nothing but a real potential with that. Um, all I know is if that doesn't happen, geez, it, uh, things don't look good right now, that's for sure. Things don't look good. I mean, they keep just kind of pushing it back, and we don't hear a lot of information a lot. You know, I think... Uh, I, you, you raise a lot of, you know, really good points in terms of just, you know, financially the rock being able to bankroll the league. But I mean, having a bigger league with Canadian American teams could be very exciting. I think for guys like myself that, that are, you know, holding on to our Canadian game, for me, the most important thing, I think I could deal with the loss of the three down game. Although I think that the three down game is actually better than the four down game, in my opinion. But I could I could live with it. I could live with the change for the betterment of football and for us to have a league. I just I'm really worried about that Canadian ratio, and I hope mm-hmm. that you know if we amalgamate that at least the Canadian teams still keep that, and we don't yeah. you know because I I don't think that it's in place to um to to just you know default Canadian jobs. I think it's truly in place to kind of protect that Canadians will be on rosters. I, I see it a little bit different, yes. but. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I don't disagree. So, so I mean, that's my concern. But you, you also, you know, made a great point about more jobs, more teams, right? Like at a higher level, more money, right? Like all that stuff. Uh, you know, the Rock, I'm gonna assume, is gonna be able to get us some sort of crazy TV deal. You know, better than probably the the CFL TSN deal, right? So, um, yeah. You know, uh, sky's the limit if that happens. We're just we're really worried about that Canadian ratio part. But moving on from there, because. Uh, Tell us kind of, I know you're in Calgary right now. Tell us about where you're at right now and kind of what's going on. Yeah, I know. I'm, I'm going to be going for surgery pretty soon here. Um, so I'm just kind of waiting on that. Uh, out here at the Alberta Wrestling Academy. Um, this is a wrestling school facility. So, cuz, I'm interested. You know, obviously, you got a career in wrestling now, pro wrestler. Uh, you know, you talked about growing up and loving, loving wrestling and that kind of being your first love. I'm interested in who is your favorite wrestler of all time and why? The Rock. And the reason why is because when I was growing up, I didn't really have too many uh, uh, light-skinned brother role models. (laughs) (laughs) So The Rock was kind of like the first and the only for quite a while. So it was like one of those things with Rock where – you know, obviously, there's similarities in your features and what you look like. And when I identified, I had a bit of a crisis growing up with that. I think most kids always, you know, kind of look look for something when they feel like there's something kind of missing in their life. You know. How about uh, how about switching gears here? How about your favorite QB of all time and why? Favorite quarterback ever is Damon Allen, and uh, I think. You know, growing up, he was uh, one of the best quarterbacks in the CFL and basically continued that stature until he retired. Um, you know, he had a cannon for an arm. He was a lighter guy, six six feet. That's why I was. That's kind of the way I modeled my game. The way I played is after his style, I was uh, really fond of the way that he played the game of football and the kind of leader that he was. And uh, you know, not too many quarterbacks can say they've gone and played on multiple different uh, teams and different organizations and 
won a Grey Cup. So pretty cool that he can say that for, I think it's three different CFL franchises that he holds a Grey Cup for. And he was the starting quarterback. And if I'm not mistaken, won an MVP um, in each of those three places that he played as well. So, I mean, that's pretty remarkable. It just shows his leadership skills. And, um, man, Damon Allen, man. Yeah. You can just go throw the tape back on, right? Like, this guy was legend. He was. CFL, I mean, I... definitely top, top three CFL quarterbacks all time for me. I mean, he's always my number one. But, I mean, you got, like, a guy like Cal Vio who's mm-hmm. Jesus. Like, CFL's had some, some beasts at quarterback, man, that don't get enough credit. I love, I love the reference of kind of modeling your game after Damon Allen and, and was watching your highlights there for your junior highlights the other day. And you, you look a lot like Damon Allen when you played, like just the movement and the, and the big arm and, and all those things. So, you know, I, I can see yeah. the similarities. And, and, you know, obviously he was a phenomenal quarterback. I think he holds like almost every like pro football record for quarterbacks based on how long he played and the success he had. So excellent choice. Um, unfortunately, unfortunately, because we're at, we're at the end here of the podcast. Uh, it's been awesome to have you on and reconnect and talk about wrestling and football and your background in that. And, uh, you know, I just want to thank you for being on. I hope you enjoyed your time. Yeah, man. Thank you. I really appreciate it. Likewise. Excellent. All right, man. You have a great night and take care. You too.